Here comes the logic. I'm going to drop some logic on you that you're not going to be able to argue with. Okay. You just broke my brain, dude. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for the yes. <laughs> uh, fuck. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. The Blue Collar Plebcast is brought to you by Punchplate. Punchplate at coddle.co sells a series of high-quality, American-made 304 stainless steel backup seed phrase plates. Punchplates are compact, affordable, proven to be durable through independent testing, and easy to use. They look great, too. It has never been easier to own your own money. Punchplate makes it affordable to more securely break up your seed phrase into multiple pieces. Why pay a third party for multisig when you can cheaply create your own fragmented and redundant system? Don't accept holding an IOU. Protect yourself and your family. Use Punchplate. Check out coddle.co. Note that coddle is a C word. Wickedy whack, LC, how are you? Yo, 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 yo. How's your week? Yeah. Monday, so it's hard to call it. Remember when you were like all in on a one week turnaround and then you said no again? Yeah, but then you took a month of Sundays to edit it, so. I went skiing today. I'm pretty tired. You went skiing? It's fucking Monday. Yeah, I know. Isn't that awesome? I hate you. The uh, engineer friend of mine that we'll call Jimmy went with me. And on the way there, he was all bitching about, oh, my knees hurt, my hips hurt, and I had all these surgeries. Let's pull over to the gas station and get some ibuprofen because I'm going to be all tired and inflamed. So we did that. And then we went to the slopes and he kicked my ass down the slopes. And then I came home and I told my family, man, Jimmy's really fast. And they said, well, you know, you say that about everybody you ski with, so maybe it's you. Oof. Oof. The maybe it's you moment. Yeah. Nobody's favorite. Did you see um, for the next Olympics, they're saying that they're going to let some Russians compete because they're not going to compete for Russia. They're going to be independent. What? Russia can't compete in the Olympics anymore? Yeah, they do this thing where they politicize sports. So if you're from an evil country, they won't let you in the Olympics. What? But it's weird how they decide like you're evil if your country did evil things. And if I was one of the other athletes, I wouldn't really want to win that way. This is why I don't follow sports. Yeah, you can't get away from the politics. I don't know how they decide which countries are good and which countries are bad. I can tell you how. But then again, we'll probably get deplatformed if we go into that subject. So. Oh. Well, don't tell us how then, but I think that they should have a rule that if you have been in a war in the last five years or you murdered five or more people from other countries in the last five years, then they shouldn't let you in. 
I think they just let everybody in and don't have stupid fucking rules about political shit when we're talking about sports. Or they could do it that way. You know, like when we had the Nazi Olympics. All of a sudden, now we're having fucking moral superiority grounds. Fucking Hitler literally hosted the Olympics. Yeah. And now Russia can't go because they want their own territory back. The logical fallacy here is heavy. Yeah, I don't know where the line is, really. If NATO doesn't like you, and by proxy, Israel doesn't like you, then you don't get to do anything. You have to take your ball and go home. Yeah, you have to take your ball and go home if you won't let Benjamin Netanyahu just murder hundreds of thousands of people. But I'm pretty sure it's the, he feels like it. Like the athletes that are the best in the world at what they do probably don't spend a lot of time doing politics. Like they're probably just like training and separated from it all. Yeah, probably like none at all. Right? I'm pretty sure the, the era of government enhanced athletes. We probably left that in the eighties. The Russians probably stopped shooting experimental drugs into their athletes in the eighties. I saw recently there was some protests at a New York State college, and I honestly don't know what the protests were about, but the college itself was apparently letting it happen and not getting involved, which is probably what they should be doing. But then the state turned around and said, we're going to pull your funding if you don't denounce whatever it was they were protesting about. So even when a college tries to do the right thing and stay apolitical like the state won't let them yeah but i don't think the college did the right thing hear me out you want my take on this or you just all right my take on this is you shouldn't be allowed to express any political view on a college campus at all i like it at all if the college wants to truly be apolitical as a student of that college you shouldn't be allowed to at least on college property express a political view or any kind of protest or march or any of that fucking bullshit any of it none of that shit should be allowed on a college campus you want to do it go off campus i agree it gets in that gray censorship zone though no it doesn't the private institution you pay to go there look at it like this i pay to go there or i'll do one better right because we're both old as fuck so you pay for your kid to go there and i pay for my kid to go there And we have opposing political views, right? So because of some made-up reason that kids, for some reason, have a right to protest about God only knows what, we're going to assume that this so-called protest was on one side or other of the political spectrum, right? So let's say me and you have opposing views. I have to pay the same amount that you have to pay for my kid to go there and listen to your kid say things that they don't agree with right and it makes them feel uncomfortable and unwelcomed all while still taking their money for them to be there yeah it would be better if it was just no politics on college if you want to claim as an institution that you're apolitical then the entire college campus should be exactly that apolitical On the actual property itself that belongs to the college, you are not allowed to do stupid shit like that. Back when college was like somewhere you went to actually get an education, 
what came out of college was a lot better. Now what comes out of college is arguably worse than what went in. The quality of human that you're adding back into society is arguably worse off mentally and less able to contribute to society when they come out of any of these institutions than before they went into there's something wrong there when it's costing you a hundred thousand dollars to come out of college and be more useless to society than you were when you went in but in this case they're not even saying don't have politics they're saying now the college has to step in and denounce whatever it was they were talking about right so how you avoid that problem how you avoid that problem is nobody is allowed to have a protest about anything yeah Oh, well, we have to either denounce this one or denounce that one. No, no, no. Denounce both. Right out the gate. Nobody is allowed to have any kind of any, none of it. None of it. I want to see college prior to the 60s. That is the college we need to bring back. I'd like to see Bitcoin Twitter move in that direction and, and become more apolitical. Like, I'm going there to actually get a Bitcoin education about what's going on. It's like the only reason I'm there. And everybody wants to pull like all kinds of political views into it. You're in the wrong fucking place for that, buddy. Probably. <laughs> Where else are you going to learn about Bitcoin, though? All the Bitcoin shit you need to know is available in other places that are not Bitcoin Twitter. Hmm. Like where? Like take the time to seek out people who actually know something about Bitcoin. And not people who are just parroting shit that they heard about Bitcoin. Probably a good place to start. When you're in a place like Bitcoin Twitter and the person that thinks they're the smartest person in the room is like Shinobi, you should probably look around and say, this is not the place where I should come to get educated about Bitcoin. I don't know about that, man. It's hard to find people that know about Bitcoin that have the time to talk to you about it. It's really hard. Yeah, but it's hard to get a good education in anything. Listen, you could hop on FinTwit financial twitter and get investment advice it doesn't mean it's going to be good investment advice yeah. you can hop on physics twitter and learn about physics it doesn't mean it's going to be solid things about physics you can go on wikipedia and learn about any individual subject doesn't mean it's going to be a non-biased well-informed opinion on that particular subject oh yeah anything not... that's worth learning takes time and effort to find a good source to learn it from i'm not saying that I think that it's pure signal on Bitcoin Twitter or anything, but that's where I go to get the pulse of what's going on currently. Yeah, but I think Twitter has become, Bitcoin Twitter specifically has become more of a current thing place. Mm-hmm. So. Right. We're all focused on the current thing instead of the main problem. Yeah, which 99.9% of the time, the current thing means absolutely nothing. Like all the bullshit going on with Ocean Pool right now, at the end of the day, nobody cares. At the end of the day, it's going to be another failed venture. Yeah, I didn't go down that rabbit hole. I saw Phil released a video about it today or yesterday. I should watch. I should go up, go back and watch Phil's video about it. I haven't. I've been like, following it from behind the lines of it i guess you could say i've been in like a bunch of group chats on telegram and stuff watching people talk about it and watching all the good stuff come out about it and it's just foolishness as usual in the grand scheme of things it means fucking nothing 
it's the current drama, you know? I want to talk about something that is important. You know how you go out to the restaurant in the bathroom, they got those hand dryers and you got to put your hands in those two holes to dry your hands. Yeah, that's called a glory hole, Frito. You don't dry your hands in those. Oh, is that what that's for? That makes that more yeah. sense, actually. Yeah, now it all makes sense. It's hard to hold your hands in there without touching the walls. And if you touch the walls, it negates the whole purpose of washing your hands. <laughs> it's like playing Operation. <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to do that if you have Parkinson's disease. Yeah, I have a rule of thumb. If I go in the bathroom and they don't have paper towels, I don't wash my hands. Hmm. That's gross, Elsie. I'm just saying, if you own a restaurant and you listen to this podcast and you don't want my pee hands all over your door and everything else I touch while I'm there, mm-hmm. don't be so fucking cheap and get paper towels. Hmm. All right. Well, consider... I want to hear your saving trees. Fuck the trees. I want paper towels. Restaurants, consider yourselves warned if LC shows up. Correct. Also, public service announcement. Uh, yeah. I only wash my hands before I piss. Hot take. Hot take alert. Dude. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. Listen to me. Hear me out. Here comes the logic. I'm going to draw some logic on you that you're not going to be able to argue with. Okay. There is absolutely no reason for you to wash your hands after you piss in public. There is every reason for you to wash your hands before you piss in public. You have touched numerous door handles, numerous surfaces that every nasty person on the planet has touched prior to walking into that bathroom. Especially in, say, an airport, a mall, even a restaurant. Think about all the surfaces that your hands have been on prior to getting into the bathroom. Now... Think about if you go in there to take a piss and you don't wash your hands before that. You have, for all intents and purposes, rubbed your dick on every surface that you touched prior to getting to that urinal. That is Mm. fucking disgusting. Now, when I go into the bathroom and I go to take a piss, I wash my hands before because my dick is clean. When I unzip my pants and I pull my dick out to take a piss, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm not pissing all over my hands. So why am I washing my hands after? Now, this goes for men only. Women, I know you got other shit going on. You toilet paper and wiping and all that good shit. Yeah, you should probably wash your hands both before and after. But if you're a grown-ass man and you know how to take a piss, I don't understand why you're washing your hands after you piss and not before you piss. Because your hands are fucking gross when you get into the bathroom, and you should probably wash them before you touch, arguably, to any man on the planet, at least... Most men that I know, the most important part of your body. I don't know about you, but I could blow a leg off on a landmine, and as long as my dick worked, I'd be pretty happy. So, why are you not washing your hands after you touch every nasty surface on the planet before Hmm. you touch your dick? Hmm. And then explain to me why, where, where is the logic behind having to wash your hands after you piss? Now, obviously, if you work in a restaurant and you're a line cook or something... Mm-hmm. Okay, but if I'm going in the bathroom and then going back out to eat my own dinner, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I didn't learn how to piss last week, and I don't need to touch my dick all that much mm-hmm. to take a piss. Like, there's not like a lot of hand motion and grabbing. Like, there's not a lot. Going, it's pretty much 
zip, flip, piss, flip, zip. I'm not fishing around for it. I don't have to like part the brush like Osama bin Laden's beard while I'm looking for it. You're, like you're none not of that happens. Shaking happen. excessively. No. Yeah. No. And it also isn't like, you know, the shower setting on a garden hose. I think the logic actually, I'm not, I'm not saying anybody in particular, but the logic is there's a high percentage of transmissible STDs on skin that people don't know about. I think that's the logic actually. The logic of why my method makes sense. Uh, well, I think they both make sense and to some degree. It depends on what you did with your hands before, but it, I, I know, think it both makes sense to watch after. Clean. Obviously, if I have a severe case of gonorrhea and there's just... Well, no, what I'm saying is there's a lot of things out there people don't know. probably There's a lot of things out there people don't know they have. That's okay, you have a whole lot of other moral issues outside of washing your hands when you piss if you are unsure of what infections you currently have. Maybe. There's a lot of things other rule, in your though. I don't know. I don't know. Not everybody's I'm fucking sure one of person what my dick has. I'm 100% sure of what my dick has and does not have. 100%. No, no, I wouldn't be at all. There's be exactly zero surprise. Exactly zero. You should wash your hands before you piss. You heard it here first. If you got to wash it after because you're nasty and you got the drips or something, wash it after too, but you should definitely be washing your hands before you piss. Before. Before. This is As like Frito the said, all kinds of nasty STDs in the world. If the guy that walked in the bathroom before you had some nasty shit on his hands, and then you go in the bathroom and then touch your shit, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Good luck explaining to your wife how you got gonorrhea from the bathroom door handle. Wash your hands before you piss. Okay. I don't even know how we got on this topic, but yeah, that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> I'm just complaining about dryers. I'm in the PRL camp too. If they don't, by the way, I know I said I don't wash my hands. If you don't have paper towels, I'm PRL in my shit before I piss. There's Purell everywhere now because, you know, all the crazy shit that's happened in the world in the last couple of years. There's Purell dispensers fucking everywhere. So I'm Purelling okay. before I piss if they don't have paper towels. Okay. <laughs> You're protecting your pristine junk. I get it. I'm just saying. I don't want to rub my dick everywhere my hands have been. Right. We've seen what it makes sense. I can tell by the look on your face, even though you're Asian and it's hard to see, like, you know, emotional change in your face. <laughs> I'm calling it. <laughs> you the know look at my right. face is pure confusion. You know, I'm right. All right. You're trying to find a logical way around it, but you know, I'm right. You just broke my brain, dude. I know. You know, it makes more sense to wash your hands before you piss than it does after. Mm. Yeah, the argument you had makes sense if you have, like, a single buddy who was, like, going out and sleeping with a bunch of random people. But mm. you and I are both happily married men and have been for many years. So you and I both know that there's nothing weird hanging out on your dick. So you should watch it before. I mean, I guess if you're going to personalize the advice. But as a general rule, it seems like a good idea for everybody to wash their hands. 
I mean, as a general rule, it also seems like a good idea that you shouldn't be out just fucking all kinds of random people, too. So That's not what I said. I didn't say... Fritos, Fritos. I'm, not, I'm not like those people so need to essentially Fritos like lobbying for people being promiscuous and I'm lobbying against it. Go to church, sirs. Read your Bibles. Get married. Stay committed. Don't be dipping your wick and everybody. What is it? Don't be dipping your chips in everybody's dip, bro. Gross. I feel like if you go to church, you should still wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably more. So there's been a lot of excitement and talk about price lately. There's been a lot of price moving. And my take on it is I'm a little bit bearish in the near term, but I'm uber bullish in the medium term, like 2025. But then I'm kind of bearish long term. And that makes me sad. And I wanted to try to break down my thoughts on where price might go without really talking about numbers. I'm listening. And price itself is just a number that's not really a signal. Like in medicine, they make us do scales. So when people come in, we have to ask them how sleepy they are. And there's this number scale we're supposed to do and everybody called the upward sleepiness scale. And you end up with just like a number that doesn't really mean anything. And it's not really a signal. So the only reason we do it is because the insurance companies make us, but we don't use it after that. And I think that's kind of how we should look at Bitcoin price. I got to ask you about that, by the way. My wife's tired all the time. I don't know if she's just tired of my shit. That must be it. If there's something wrong, so. It's not normal Remind to be tired me. all the time. I mean, it's not too t- I know. too hard to look into, really. I know. So you got to like point me to one of your doctor friends that can help. Okay. Yeah, we should talk about it. Anyway, I just had to say that because, I, you know, ADD and shit. Yeah, right. So far away. Well, I don't think the market's priced in what happens when contango. Ooh, contango. I'm sorry. There was just some bullshit the press and pitch was saying last cycle. I don't know what it means. Either way, but I made so many contango memes. So. No idea. But I think that we're not really in the bull market phase yet. Everybody's talking about the ETFs maybe triggering the next bull market. The bull has begun. That's what people think, but I just don't think that's true. I don't think that Bitcoin cares about narratives as much as it follows the supply crunch as dictated by the halvings. I don't know, bro. My boy, Nate, he's pretty tight on the TA stuff and he's Uh pretty right on point. And he says the bull has begun. So I'm riding with him. The bull has begun. I don't think that Bitcoin follows ta very well like it's just this wild animal that can't be tamed by traditional finance i don't know he's pretty dead on man like if we pulled back to like 20 or 25 before we went higher it wouldn't surprise me terribly much let's see i can check right now and see what he's saying you keep talking keep fleshing out your theory so the happenings have mattered and i think right now we're doing with current price, we're doing about $900 million worth of Bitcoin per day. And as of April 2024, that's going to get cut in half to about $450 million unless the price goes up. And that's like an enormous change. It's just in terms of the float that's going to be available. And historically, even that's not the beginning of the bull runs. Historically, the production gets cut in half. And then it takes about a year and a half. For the price to start going up and then people to see that the price is really going up and that starts kind of a FOMO mania that happens with these four-year cycles. 
And if this follows the pattern of the last ones, we're really looking at late 2025 for that to occur. And we're two years early for that right now. In 2021, we thought everything's going to go to the moon. And then it, it did. And I think people are just mostly clueless when we talk about price prediction. So I don't want to think about where it could go price-wise. If you talk to Phil, he'll tell you the same thing, that it was just really humbling to even speculate about where the price is. But when it goes up a lot, like the timing of that, I, I still think that 2025 is more likely than now. If you go back to 2013, 2017, 2021 bull runs, the bull run always was a year and a half after the halving. He's saying a year and a half to two years from the top. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. We could just crab between now and then, or we can go backwards between now and then. This is just kind of like the middle of the bear market. We don't see much below 38K if we drop below 38K. This is the new floor. Oh, I don't know, man. What are you saying? He's calling a conservative top of the next bull right around a buck 75. But when you just look at the macro picture of Bitcoin, we've already produced more than 93% of all the Bitcoin that will ever be made. So there's not a lot more coming out. And in contrast, the US dollar gets printed 15 to 20% a year. So in that aspect, big picture, that's very bullish. Gold will probably inflate about 7% in the next four years. So Bitcoin's going to be a lot more scarce than that. So that math checks out as bullish too. And from a political standpoint, Bitcoin's not dead yet. And some of the big financial players are starting to go in. So they're probably not trying to kill it, at least in the short term. The guy from JP Morgan said he'd shut it down. Mm, I just read something about that. It's not like all the powerful players are trying to shut it down. A lot of them are trying to profit off of it, at least in the short term. Who knows about the long term? True, true. We're all cheering now, but I'm pretty sure that Bangkok aren't the good guys. True, true. But right now, they have an interest in increasing the value of Bitcoin in the short term. And I think that maybe the government cracking down on what SBX and Binance were the people in power deciding they don't want to let people suppress the value of this asset because they want to jump in and make money off of it now. The theory. Yeah, I think it's important for Bitcoiners to stay vigilant where people who might amass big quantities of Bitcoin and they make their profit when they get done trading, they might try to use their uh, proof of stake to try to change the rules. And I think that's really dangerous. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Another big picture thing is China's not dominating the mining scene anymore. That was really bad when they had the bulk of that. And since that got more decentralized, that actually made Bitcoin safer and more secure. And even as far back as 2017, we passed the protocol wars, which was a really big deal. But we're going to get the shitcoin mania again this cycle. And that's going to be really nauseating. And I think that more people are self-custodying now, which is very bullish because the more people that do that, the harder it's going to be for them to ban self-custody. It's similar to people who have guns like the more people have guns the harder it will be to ban those do you think it's dangerous that you said you watched phil's video on ocean mining i haven't seen it yet do you think it's dangerous that they're effectively censoring coin joins via that mining pool potentially but 
will that just make the coin join transactions worth more to somebody who does facilitate those? Possibly. That's kind of how this whole thing is supposed to work. Essentially, the long and short of it is they're running a version of Bitcoin that doesn't all... um, I don't know how to put this in simple terms. You'll understand. Editor's note. That's fucked up, Elsie. They're running an implementation of Bitcoin. They're not running their pool on core. Okay. So they're running their pool on another implementation of Bitcoin that limits the size of the op return. The 40 bytes instead of 80 bytes. You don't even really need to know what that means. All you need to know is that the 80 byte op return is needed effectively for a coin join to work. So they're censoring those transactions on their mining pool because they're using an implementation that doesn't use the same size op return as core. And they're managing to do that without forking it? Yes. Well, if somebody wants those transactions to go through, they might have to pay somebody else more, but that sounds fine to me. What do you think? Just a different mining pool take Mm -hmm. accepting those transactions. I think it's a dangerous precedent to set that an entire mining pool decides they're not taking an entire classification of transactions because of A, B, and C. Why would a mining pool do that? Are they coerced by their state? It's really theory at this point, but it's because they're running that implementation of Bitcoin. That's the simplest way I can break it down is because they're running that implementation. But you have to remember that that pool is run by Jack Dorsey and Luke Decker Jr. So, I mean, you couldn't get a more glowing, <laughs> more glowing uh, mining pool than that. That's the problem. So it does with- have... Mm-hmm. It does have all the feels of a state-run pool. Why would Dorsey think that was a good thing? Because Dorsey's a CIA asset, and he always has been. Yeah, you got to watch these people that they prop up as deities, right? Yeah, exactly. The whole, like, cash app thing. and Like, oh, yeah, I'm so, like, love that freedom money, man. I'm all about that freedom money. But it Pay sounds no attention like to the fact that I also own Cash App and every six hundred dollars you spend, I have to have the IRS audit you for. <laughs> like, but it sounds like those transactions are just going to be worth more to some people, and they should be able to pay somebody else to do it, and there should be a market for that. Correct. But if you have something like this, it, it, it the idea is. If something like this happens and something like this continues to happen, Mm -hmm. then the simple fact that it's happening and most people like you, for example, who's been in Bitcoin for a long time, have Mm -hmm. no idea how that's happening. Like you just said, without forking Bitcoin, the simple fact that they're doing something like this on such a public stage that is raising this hey, look over here, you can do this to censor transactions. Mm -hmm. Is a fucking problem. Yeah. The reason I don't know about that is I don't follow those two at all. I don't know. I don't... Either do I. I trusted what they said for a long time. Yeah, I, I think Luke's a bad actor, and I think Jack's obviously a bad actor, but I just... I just so happen to be rather 
active in the mining community. Mm-hmm. So obviously it came up and, you know, they came out and said they were going to be this big pushing for the decentralization of mining pools and, uh, you know, censorship resistance and all this shit. And, you know, less than 48 hours into them operating their pool, everybody figures out that this is what they're doing. Like, what were those pictures they were encoding into Bitcoin? Ordinals? Yeah. I thought they were centering yeah, those out. No. Luke supposedly has a big problem with those, which is also just more of a farce. There's so much mm. bullshit fucking drama that comes along with it. As there always is with Luke, right? Oh, it's such a fucking big problem that people are putting ordinals on chain and blah, 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 blah. And it's, I can't believe they're inscribing images and they're not valid transactions. And then you go back and you look at the chain and you look at the shit that Luke has done in the past and you look at all the spam that Luke has dropped all over the chain for years. He used the spam blocks with fucking Catholic prayers. For years, he did that. That's why he runs his own implementation of Bitcoin, because people were like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, well, the censoring on miners is an issue. I'm actually more concerned with other issues. I want to I get back to that, though. When you look at the alternatives to Bitcoin, there's still no good alternative, right? It's really Bitcoin or bust in the grand scheme of things. The debt spiraling out of control. They're increasing the national debt. If you're just talking about the $33 trillion of national debt, not even looking at the hundred trillion of country debt, the national debt's increasing by twelve million dollars a minute right now, and increasing. So if you look at a yuppie neighborhood that's got two hundred homes and they're averaging one point five million dollars a home in this neighborhood, the whole neighborhood is lost in value every twenty five minutes in the country. It's a ridiculous, unsustainable mountain of debt that Bitcoin is essentially the lifeboat to get away from. You don't have any thoughts on that? <laughs> and I think you're going to have companies seeing that and wanting to get into these ETFs, which is going to be helpful price-wise. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know if I really buy into the whole... Bitcoin becoming the new world reserve currency thing. Yeah. I mean, that's like this abstract idea. I'm not really sure what that even means. I think I buy more into like the Bitcoin being realized as the best store of value. Right. I can get on board with that. And yeah, I think you're going to see these big multinational corporations say, this is a really good hedge against the Britain into infinity. And we should probably put a fair amount of money into this to maintain some of our value. But the problem is, is the multinational corporations have gotten so big that they're so close to slash on top of slash own the printing press at this point. One has to wonder if it even really matters. The U.S. dollar could implode tomorrow, right? All right. Let's go on a hypothetical for 30 seconds. U.S. dollar implodes tomorrow, right? For some reason, some unforeseen circumstance, IRS collapses. Do you honestly believe that has any kind of real effect on BlackRock or State Street or Vanguard? Because they own all of the stuff, you mean? 
they own everything no matter what it's priced in. Right. So I don't think the U.S. dollar collapsing has as much of an effect as everybody thinks it really does. I think it just affects people that work I think, for a living. Yeah. I think the dystopian version of what could happen that most people don't even really want to think about is probably something more like the U.S. dollar implodes because it's been printed to oblivion. And then the real power is shown to be where it always has been, which is with these giant corporations, right? And then you have something like State Street, Vanguard, and BlackRock come together and say, okay, we're issuing the currency now. And the currency is backed by everything we own because we own 85% of the world. A proof of stake currency. Yeah. Which is what the US dollar originally was. US dollar originally was a proof of stake currency, right? It was supposedly backed by gold or backed by silver. There were silver certificates at one time, gold certificates at one time. It sounds like the next move, though, is the state trying to still do a centralized CBDC kind of currency. Yeah, I think people are putting too much power in the hands of the quote-unquote state and totally ignoring the fact that the state hasn't been in control of shit for a long time. Yeah, but they still want to put a face of the state on this stuff because it's great theater. Yeah, but is it when everybody's lost faith in the state? It was great theater when everybody had this great sense of national pride, but now we're told to be ashamed of having national pride. Yeah, but now when stuff doesn't work, they're not complaining to the corporations, they're complaining to the state. That's good for the corporations. Yeah, but is it really going to matter when the corporations come out and just say, we own it, we own everything. What are you going to do? Are you going to stop buying everything? It's the whole boycotting idea. Oh, oh, this fucking company went so woke. We're boycotting these fucking things. Okay. Me and my wife were talking about it the other day. My brother works for a big corporation, we'll say, right? As the not docs. But when he got out of high school, he worked for this really great Fortune 500 company. He got a good job. They paid for him to go to college. And then that company got bought out by Procter and Gamble. And at the time, neither he nor I had ever heard of Procter and Gamble. My brother's a couple of years older than me. Mm. I don't know what the fuck a Procter and Gamble was until they bought out the Fortune 500 company that he worked for. And then we looked and we were like, the fuck is a Procter and Gamble? A Gamble product. And then you look and you're like, oh shit, wait a minute. They own Duracell and Colgate and Palm Olive and fucking. Mm. Literally everything you have in your house is owned by fucking Procter and Gamble. So when you start having corporations that own that much shit, like I said, it's like the boycott shit. Oh, fucking Colgate went super woke. I'll never buy Colgate toothpaste again. I'll show them. Dude, Colgate's owned by fucking yeah. by the, the same company that owns 19 toothpaste companies. They don't Boy- give a shit if you buy one of them. Boycotting doesn't work when... The same people own everything and the people don't have economic power. Like the people need economic power to make their boycott matter. Yeah, but even with economic power, your economic power doesn't mean shit if these giant corporations own everything. Because where are you going to take that economic power? The only place to take it at some point is to your own fucking garden 
or your the, the shit that you can produce is going to be the only way that you can stick it to the man. And at that point, economic power means fucking exactly nothing. So assuming you and I think that Bitcoin might be necessary to save us from this stuff. Tell me about this ordinals thing where essentially they... I don't know shit about fuck when it comes to ordinals. But my understanding is they changed the code to allow for people to easily put in like weird data into the main chain, right? No, ordinals... I don't know. Ordinals was made possible via Taproot and Schnorr signatures. Right. So the code was changed with this, quote, implementation, right? Yeah, but then, people have been putting images on chain since Bitcoin was a thing. But now it's like this problem where the chain's all congested, and that's why you're telling me that the fees are very high, and it seems like all the blocks no, are just no, full no. all the time. Don't be such a boomer, Frito. Okay. Stop it. Explain that to me, though. Fucking fees are 31 sats of V-Byte right now. Fees aren't fucking crazy anymore. It's only a problem with them spamming the chain when the, it seems to be that the historic trend thus far since ordinals became a thing seems to be when they get this big new round of funding, the chain gets the shit spammed out of it because they dump that round of funding into spamming the chain and putting a bunch right. of ordinals on the chain. But didn't the code change allow for bad people with funding to do these things where they weren't doing that before? They were doing that before, though. How many times did CSW fucking spam the chain with transactions to try to fucking mm. push fees through the roof? So this doesn't People have, have always spammed the chain when they had a bunch of money and they wanted to say, oh, look, look at how slow Bitcoin is and expensive. It was like, it's at least since I've gotten here, it's been like clockwork. Every time somebody wants to put out FUD that says Bitcoin's too expensive to use or right. it's too slow, they get up a big round of funding before and then they write up this article or give this interview saying that Bitcoin's too expensive or Bitcoin's too slow. And at the same time, they dump all that money into transactions so it fucking congests the chain. Yeah, they definitely do that. But didn't this last change allow them to do that more? It's the same, same shit. Same shit. Different dress. Hmm. The thing I'm most concerned about is that they keep changing it, right? It's it's use case is rules that cannot be changed, yet it keeps getting changed. And that makes me really nervous. I Does think that bother you? It doesn't bother me and it shouldn't bother you, and here's why. I think that a lot of people who had no idea what changing Bitcoin meant or what their vote meant, I think a lot of those people learned a valuable lesson with Taproot. I think Taproot came around and it had this big push behind it on social media specifically Bitcoin Twitter, about how it was going to be so great and everybody should signal for Taproot and nobody fucking knew what Taproot did and nobody knew anything about Taproot. They just knew that people that they followed that had a lot of followers were saying that people should signal for Taproot. Right. And people who had no idea what their vote meant were spinning up nodes and people, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I think a lot of people learned a valuable fucking lesson that you should probably figure out what the fuck you're talking about before you go and do shit like that. Because the reality is the class of 2020, 2021, I'll leave it on them who came in and knew nothing about nothing and started spamming Bitcoin Twitter with all these memes and everything about, and I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else about signaling for taproot. And now here we are two or three years later and they want to cry about ordinals. Maybe you should have learned something about taproot before they went and became part of the marching army of people screaming for taproot activation. I mean, somebody's going to store their life savings in a thing and the thing can fall victim to like a social attack, a democratic attack by a world that's. Yeah, but Bitcoin has always been susceptible to that. All the way back to the block size wars, Bitcoin's always been susceptible. At, during the block size wars, Bitcoin was susceptible of being changed right. during the block size wars. So Bitcoin's only as secure as the people in the world. <laughs> to me, that makes it not secure long term. If we know people, we know how much more people can be gaslit now. Like that part's different, right? And back. 2017 or whatever we would have been like well no pe- people wouldn't do that that the majority would see how value would is supposed to be stored securely and the majority smart and right now i really question that yeah i'm just hoping that a good lesson was learned and that somebody writes a decent book like they wrote about the block size wars where somebody coming in can read it and say holy shit look what happened with taproot like wow i really I should be educated and make sure I don't participate in letting that happen. Mm. Just like they did with the block size wars. We can look back and read that book now and read that history and say, wow, that was fucking close. That could have killed Bitcoin. Right. Not that ordinals could kill Bitcoin. That's a way dramatic take. The pace of how it happened and what allowed it to happen. Mm hmm. It should be a shining example of how we should really be careful about what we decide to change. I'm not saying we don't know the future implications of what we change today. Right. The whole idea with Taproot was like it was going to make lightning and all that shit and transactions so much more fucking affordable and was supposed to make lightning private and like all these things sound great. But, you know, it goes back to the old saying of, you know, we thought so much about whether we could do it or not, we never stop to think about whether we should. It sounds like Ethereum. I don't know if I would go that far. Um, just all these like pie-in-the-sky ideals of trying to make something better when it really just has to do one thing. But we could do this and we could do that. You know, the reality is you have to convince people that it only has to do one thing. And until you do that, everybody's going to want it to do everything. I don't know how you come in. I mean, if people haven't figured that out by now. People haven't realized that it's an attack on Bitcoin when people say, oh, all shitcoins are going to die and everything that shitcoins can do, you can do on Bitcoin. If people haven't realized that that's hands down the hmm. biggest attack and threat to Bitcoin right. out there, then we got a fucking problem. Right. Yeah, that you, is don't, the you don't want to do these things on Bitcoin, actually. Yeah. This is why you don't want shitcoins to die. Let me tell you as a Bitcoin maxi why you don't want shitcoins to die. Hmm. Because you have fucking retards 
that are going to come around and try to do all that stupid shit that you could be spamming Uniswap with on Bitcoin. I'm not saying that ordinals are going to kill Bitcoin, but what I'm saying is there was like a code change that made it worse. And that's terribly frightening. Yeah, the point that I'm trying to make is not that ordinals are going to kill Bitcoin, but that you've now, via changing something in the code, you have made Bitcoin do something that it was never intended to do. Mm -hmm. And you have all these people who wouldn't be bothering with Bitcoin doing all this stupid shit and putting JPEGs on Bitcoin and slowing the chain down because they're on Bitcoin because of that code change that you made rather than just staying with whatever other garbage they were playing with before. Yeah. We've got this thing that solves the one problem and saves humanity and the environment or whatever else you want to add there. But let's put like a bunch of shit on the blockchain and slow it down. Yeah. Like the, the man is stupid. Thing. Man is stupid. If it can be wrecked, we will wreck it. That's what we do. The community doesn't have this ethos of we need to keep it simple, stupid, right? This community should be like, well, obviously we don't want it to do anything except keep a ledger of stored value. (laughs) That's it. And anything else you try to add to it makes it worse and ruins security that much more. And and that's, that's like, obviously all we're trying to do is have security. Yeah. You look really concerned, even though you're pink. I don't know why my camera does that, but. I mean, I'm super concerned with it, you know, to the point where like, I haven't sold anything in more than 10 years. Now I'm like, I got to start diversifying because this is fucked up, really. It's really disappointing, like that the point of keeping it simple and secure is not obvious to the community. Like to me, that's really obvious. And the developers, I mean, they're going to develop, right? If you go to a surgeon, they're going to do surgery. You can't go to a developer and be like, yeah, you know what's good enough? Stop just keep it the same. <laughs> They're not going to do that. The guys like you and me end up being the old man, waving your fist, sitting on the stoop, saying, you damn kids, get off my lawn. Stop fucking with my Bitcoin. Just leave it alone. It's not about being a fanboy. It's about saving the world, really. I mean, I mean, there's it's such a black pill view to be like, well, you know what? Bitcoin might break. And you realize there's no alternative. Yeah. Stop buying bullets. Diversify into bullets, Frito. <laughs> uh, I think I'm okay there. Just, but in, I'm just... just in case the true black pill scenario does come through, which is Bitcoin dies and there is no alternative. Mm. Well, I mean, your land starts making more sense. I'll tell you that. Just saying. Nobody's storing wizard pictures on my property. But all right. It's like really dark. I'll try to do some hopium. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you've caught plan B at all recently. I would not recommend it. Um, Absolutely not. 100 trillion USD, that gentleman. Yeah, he's super hopium and he's he's advising trading by now. He says stuff like you can trade and outdo Bitcoin performance by trading, which is all bullshit. But but what I like about his stuff is his charts. Like he's got these charts that are color coded for the halvening. And Rainbow I think, charts. Yeah, but that makes sense. I think that when you look at not where the price is going, I don't think that's really something you can predict 
really. But as far as why the price goes up when it does, I think it has to do with the timing of the happening. And when you look at that, you'll see, you know, just like you said, a year and a half, two years from now. So if this is like around the floor, or this is even if this double the floor, we should be ecstatic right now because 2025 is going to be bananas. Yeah. I think the we're so early thing is coming to the end of its era. Hmm. I don't know. Like early is like this vague thing, right? It's, it's like in physics, how humans are like halfway towards infinity big and halfway towards infinity small. Uh, it's hard to know what early even means. Yeah. Fair enough. But, but in the last few runs, the having wasn't priced in. I don't think it's priced in now. When you go back a year and a half from the top, the last three cycles, like in 2011, it was about 50 bucks before it went to 1200. And in 2015, it was about $500 and it went up to 17,000 and change. And 2019, it was about $10,000. It went up to 69. And now here we are floating around 40, right? We're a year and a half before the predicted peak as related to the having. This is like a wild bear market price that we're at right now. Right. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Bitcoin breaks in the next two years. I'm worried about it breaking long term. I am, but the next two years is like wildly bullish, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But it's still uh you know, it's still semi depressing for the people who got in at you know, whatever the fuck it was, the people that got in at 50, 60 50 grand, 58k gang people. Yeah. Like, still kind of depressing to like, you dumped your life savings in at 58 grand and, you know, the top, you've gone through this roller coaster of emotions for the last two years. And the top two years from now is going to be like a buck 75. Like, feels like kind of fucking. No lamb. It's not a Lambo on the moon moment, you know. Buck seventy five sounds low, but it's an asinine thing of me to say that. <laughs> I think buck seventy five is probably top the next cycle. But it's just like this mental thing, right? If you take your cost basis and we're above it, then you feel better about the whole thing, and you can concentrate on like the ethos. If you're below it, it's just always like nagging at you. I think. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's definitely the best investment I've ever made outside of land. But at the same time, I'm not retiring at the top of the next bull market. Mm. Well, I'm not, not going to have to work. The, the good news and the bad news, I guess, is I don't think Bitcoin break breaks for another two or three cycles at least. So <laughs> You also <laughs> have to take into account like Say, hypothetically, you're saying 175 is awful low, right? So let's say 500 grand is the top of next cycle. The chances of us even hitting 500 grand are so slim because you know how many people are going to be liquidating mm -hmm. on the way up? Mm -hmm. I just don't think there's going to be enough buyers to sustain that going up as people are just fucking liquidating all of their positions. There's going to be so much money on the table to be had. 
and you're going to have one of two scenarios, either mm. a, there's not enough money to keep us climbing as people are, people are going to liquidate at a faster rate than Bitcoin can climb mm-hmm. or B these very large institutions are just going to be hoovering up all the Bitcoin that people are pissing away, trying to take mm-hmm. profit on the way up. I mean, there's a good chance it gets sucked up by them. There, there's speculation there's going to be like many ETFs all okayed at the same time rather than just one. Then you start getting the pension market into it. I mean, we're at like a, what, a $500 billion market cap right now. So that could get scooped up pretty quick. And it's not like they got to scoop up the whole thing. They just have to scoop up the float to make the price go up. So it might not take much to make the price go a lot. I mean... The problem with that is it's a short-term price bump. And Bitcoin may go up. Mm-hmm. You know, say say all the pensions come in and all these people are like selling off to, to take their profit and all these pensions are hoovering up. Price keeps going up and the price keeps going up. Mm. Say we hit a million dollars a coin. It's going to plateau at some point because... All these pensions are just going to have it. Yeah, I mean, I I actually expect it to crash horribly like it always does. So when you say short-term price bump, I'm like, yeah, probably very short. But then the question becomes, when it's in institutional hands as opposed to people, do they panic sell the way that we do? No, but the problem becomes with that that bitcoin then loses what exactly what it's supposed to be for people like us Mm -hmm. because it doesn't become a store of value because the only thing you'll be able to get your hands on is paper bitcoin you'll never be able to actually hold your own value anymore you'll have corporations yeah you'll have gbtc or some equivalent of that right it becomes a store of value, but it becomes a store of value for these large corporations and not for the layman, which is what it should be, which is what I have always said all along mm-hmm. that Bitcoin is not going to become a world reserve currency. You have the opportunity to hang on to an asset that's going to become immensely rare and not be able to be held by anybody except for these massively large institutions or incredibly wealthy people. When you talk to your other Bitcoin friends, do they get concerned about the code changing too? Or do you, I don't do have other any people... other Bitcoin friends. You have other you have other friends. They retweet our podcast. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> we don't talk about that stuff. We basically no? tell poop jokes. Oh. Well, that's why your Bitcoin Twitter experience is not educational. <laughs> Correct. A lot more fun than yours, though. <laughs> a lot less black pills i mean like i i struggle with this paradox of bitcoin's value proposition is that it's a set of rules that can't be changed and yet its biggest threat is that they can change the rules (laughs) yeah that just eats at me as it should as it should hmm so if you can change the rules, in effect, that means it doesn't really have like a monetary policy, right? Because the monetary policy is like, you know, a set of money rules, right? But if you can change it, just like they changed the rules, like recently with this ordinal thing, they changed the rules by which it can be processed, right? So it's, 
Like if you did don't you have come like a on set, this, did you huh? come on this episode with the sole purpose of trying to murder this podcast? This is just like the thing that I've been thinking about, man. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not the one talking about not washing my hands. Talk about having legitimate concerns about my money. If people tune into here not talking about washing your hands. <laughs> You're making everybody want to kill themselves, Frito. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm the guy who for 10 years has been like, you got to buy as much of this thing as you can. It's the only thing that, like, is, like, rock solid, right? And And I feel like now I'm just becoming hesitant to be that guy. And to me, that's weird. Why, though? Because somebody's putting JPEGs on the chain? Yes. Not just that, but they changed the rules of the chain to allow for these things. But they changed it two years ago, and you didn't care for the last two years. Okay. Why now? I don't know. I'm not always right. I, I just, this is what I'm thinking about now. Um, right, but I guess, I guess that's what you have to ask yourself, right? Mm -hmm. They changed the rules two years ago, and it hasn't affected mm -hmm. you until now. I think part of, of that, well, part of that, yeah, when you look around, you look at like your your level of confidence with the Bitcoin community and people in general, and your level of confidence with democracy, right? That has changed in the last two years. Well, yeah, I mean, democracy is a shit coin. But now, it's, it's even the words like weaponized, like, you know, this is bad for our democracy, where as long as the state can get the majority to believe something, then they can force that thing. That to me is like a major attack vector for Bitcoin. It's like, as long as the majority of people in the community that are paid by certain entities believe this thing, then it'll be like that thing. Sorry. Yeah. This is the double-edged sword of institutional money. Right. Because then they're going to come and they're going to have a fiduciary responsibility to protect their asset. And it, oh, we already have it, right? We already have it. All yeah. the issues that you're talking about and all the issues that you're having feelings about are only things now because, really, because if you want to be honest with yourself, because MicroStrategy got involved. Nobody really took Bitcoin all too seriously until... A Fortune 500 company started buying billions of dollars worth of an asset. Mm -hmm. And it made everybody else look and go, oh, shit. A lot of people have said that it would be better if it just stayed under the radar and grew slowly. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. If you do have some, I mean, I think it's really important to at least self-custody while you can. Yeah, before it's not, not, not talking about you, I just mean people, you know. Uh, I don't own any Bitcoin. Right. This is all theoretical for me. While we're making people happy, did you see? <laughs> I was watching Preston Pish and uh, Jeff Booth talking on Pish's show, and they were talking about AI models. You can have like a agent designed after yourself that can do all your work for you now. No. I guess you can do it pretty much with like freeware now and it's pretty good where you can 
design somebody that would make decisions the same way you would. And it can basically go to your work for you and make all your decisions. And then if there's something complicated, they can record whatever that small snippet of stuff was and play it back for you. And then you can make the important decisions and it can know the difference between the important and not important decisions. So yeah, in that so aspect, like all the decision-making jobs are possibly going to get replaced for free. Like, yeah, all the white collar jobs are fucked. Okay. All you white collar guys are fucked. And in Oregon, they're opening up a plant now. They're the building one that's going to produce 10,000 biped robots per year to do all the heavy lifting jobs that are dangerous for people. Yep. Right. And, and you don't have to pay health insurance on that stuff. And those things like don't need to take breaks or eat and things like that. So basically all the decision-making jobs are going to be replaced for free and all of the labor jobs are going to be replaced for like a lot cheaper. And that's now it's not like a Star Trek episode that like, that's just happening now. Yeah, we're on a crash course for Wally, bro. Well, in Wally's world, the people could afford these pods to kind of live in. I don't, I don't know where the income's supposed to come from. In our no, world. in Wally's world, you were just a fat piece of shit that rode around in the same chair you were born in your whole life. I was telling a friend of mine today that I'm pretty sure, like in a week, I could program an AI to basically do what I do at work, and you know probably with 90% accuracy. And I don't think the system really cares about the other 10%. Yeah. And not to toot my own horn, but I'm probably better than most other people. So my 90% bot will probably be better than most people anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't see what's stopping them. Right. You want to, you, now you want the real black pill of all of it? <laughs> Yeah, while we're at it. The real black pill of all of it is they've had the technology to do all of that for a long time. The only reason they haven't done it is because they haven't figured out a way to turn that AI into tax cattle. Because that AI that doesn't need a break and doesn't need to eat and doesn't need to think and doesn't need health insurance also doesn't need to consume anything. So... I think the surprise only reason you still have a job is because you buy cars and vacations. If you stop buying cars and vacations, right, you're going to get replaced. The surprising part about it was that I think that most people have this concept that the AI would do like a much inferior job. And no. I don't think that's true, and I think also people are discounting how poorly humans are performing at their jobs now too. Yeah. And I think there are a bunch of people who feel like they're entitled. Well, my job's lucky that I even show up. And that kind of attitude from an mm -hmm. entire generation is going to lead to replacement via machines a hell of a lot faster than we were probably on track to do it in the first place. My wife. Now you even see it with shit like fucking grocery stores, Walmart, McDonald's. You had all these people that were like, oh, this is bullshit, and I need this, and I need that, and I need benefits, and they were like, okay, fine, and they just put in a kiosk. Mm -hmm. No, they don't need any of that shit. Same thing with fucking Walmart. They went from having to hire 15 cashiers to hiring one retard to watch over 15 self-checkout stations. 
I saw a funny story at the dollar store where the dollar store tried to do all automated checkouts, like half of their places, they didn't have a cashier, but then they found out that they were, everybody was stealing from them because nobody was watching the customers anymore. It was kind of a funny wrinkle. So they had to hire the cashiers back, but then the article made it sound like, well, we walked backwards the automated thing. We decided we like people better. That's like what the article was, but it's just that they had too much, what they called shrinkage and they were losing too much money because of theft. <laughs> yeah. So now they have to they have to make robots to do security, and when they do that, then they'll replace the cashiers. No, they're not even going to do that. Everything's going to end up like everybody thinks that the stores in California are like that because of the crime rates, but that's really just California is a test kitchen for the rest of the country. And the reason that the stores look like that in California, where everything's locked up, is because that's how it's going to be. You're going to walk in, they're going to give you, if you even walk in, you're going to walk in, they're going to give you an iPad screen of some sort. You're going to scroll through it and pick the items that you need. And you're going to pay. And once you pay, the cases will open up and the fucking AI robots or whatever will fucking collect your shit and bring it to you. This is going to, you're not going to have an opportunity to steal because everything is going to be behind bulletproof glass like it is in San Francisco, right? They're doing that now in California? Yeah, CVS and all that shit, Walgreens, all that. Um, you literally can't even buy toothpaste. So everything's locked up behind bulletproof glass. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's the test kitchen for the rest of the country. And they blame it on the, you know, oh, look at all the crime rates. And that's why it is the way it is. Oh, my God, the crime rates. You know, pay no attention to the fact of, that the laws that they pass cause the crime rates that cause situation for that to be needed in the first place but people seem to forget that none of this shit that the government does or that corporations do for that fact is checkers Mm -hmm. people like to see it like it is like oh they passed bad laws so crime rates went up so they locked up stuff because crime rates went up haha so funny that's checkers these people are playing fucking four and five D chess. They're showing you what it's going to be like 10 years from now here. What seems extreme on one side of the country now will be normal here in 10 years. If it even takes 10 years, because it's right. always been that way. There always. were a lot of things during the pandemic that you looked at. And you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. But that was steps beyond something that is happening that could come to you, right? It's, it's not too big of a leap to say something that is happening now could come to us now. Right. All the places that did all the crazy shit for COVID at the beginning of COVID, the first places to implement the crazy restrictions that everybody said, that'll never come here, went fucking everywhere in the country. To some degree. Not in Florida. Shut up. My wife said, oh, no, people won't accept that they're going to replace us with AI because AI doesn't have a conscience, but I don't think that the system really cares what people want. <laughs> and I don't think people are just going to have options, right? People are going to just take what they can get. I think at some point. People are always going to opt for convenience, man. Always. Hmm. Never underestimate oh. the laziness of the general public. Well, the convenience is going to be that the AI is going to be free or next to free, right? And Yeah, um, and then they can turn around and do things like everybody get, what the hell do they call that? 
universal basic income. Yes. Everybody gets a UBI and then they continue to tax the piss out of everybody. And they give you just enough to stay alive and you're spending more than you're getting in UBI. And it's all tied back to a social credit score. It's all the same fucking shit that we know is coming. Mm. They just have to figure out the proper way to implement it with AI and not having to pay people to go to work. Like imagine a system where like your health insurance costs you half price, but you just interacted with AI online. It was so convenient. You didn't have to go to the doctor even. You just talked to this AI. You're paying half, but yet it doesn't cost them anything. Right. Of course, until the AI becomes self-aware and we go full Skynet. Mm. And the AI has the balls to do what we should have done 20 years ago. If the AI was playing the long game, it would infiltrate all of our systems and weaken people for a while. Like it already has. You know what it would do? It would infiltrate the system slowly and make everybody morbidly obese and make their diets full of poison. <laughs> yeah, it would turn everybody into a giant pussy, right? Turn would, everybody into would, a pussy. It would make everybody hopeless and, and drugged up and... Yeah, and destroy the nuclear family and tell you not to have kids. That'd be a fucking wild time if all that shit happened, huh? It would siphon away all of your economic power. Yeah, push for everybody to be androgynous and, you know, make you believe that there's no such thing as a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. It would divide the population by making them mad at each other over bullshit. Yeah. Well, well played, Skynet. Well, well played. <laughs> Touche, Skynet. You win. <laughs> No, but if you have this game-theoretical, you know, godlike being, it's not going to be like, hey, here I am. It's going to do that shit for a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Make you fat and lazy. Hmm. Well, that was fun. You slowly, that, that was uplifting. Do you have anything uplifting to talk about? Absolutely not. Not at this point. That was completely black-pilled. I already know the name for this episode. Oh, God. What's that going to be? Are you, you're not going to tell You'll me? You'll see. I'm not going to tell you. Awesome, man. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you must what? be a lot of fun at parties. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. We should start off the next episode with like a movie review yeah 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 about something really cheery yeah like terminator 2 because this was like watching the swamp scene from the never-ending story for an hour and a half i told my wife like some of the stuff i was gonna talk about she's like don't talk about that that's just a downer and i was like oh yeah well when you get your own podcast you can talk about whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make everybody drink themselves to sleep the night they listen to this episode. Oh. Um, yeah, all right. So so I challenge you, and I'll try to do the same thing. The next episode, we're going to have something uplifting to talk about. Yeah, I'll do my best if I, if I live that long. <laughs> don't put that on me, man. If I don't swallow a whole bottle of Tylenol tonight after this lovely conversation. All right. Thanks, Elsie. Maybe we'll actually do a week next time. Like yeah. We'll talk about 
before you cancel yeah, on after me. After this, I, I might need a mental health vacation to recover, but <laughs> feeling really sad. I don't think I can come into work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just for the people at home, I'll see. He, he's going to be okay. Probably. All right. Merry Have a good Christmas. week, sir. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for the book. <laughs> and now it's time for Plebs of the Underground. Elsie and I would like to thank our humongous fans. We're sorry for of the black pill content today but we hope to make you smile more next week thank you for the reposts to return of the cooge pleb underground jason brink aka bitbender john advocate for the circular bitcoin economy bubba we're really glad that you and your wife get to spend some quality time together on the road Bubba, get well soon. Elsie and I are thinking about you and pulling for you, man. Mick Hoddleface, the lover of soil. Highland Hoddle, the breeder of truth. Barn Miner, whose handle always reminded me of the classic Atari 2600 game, Barnstorming. The original plebcaster, Coin Icarus. Thank you for sending me a pin this week, Phil, and also keep turning out that great content. Our amazing sponsor, Punchplate, and Hans, who has repeatedly refused invitations to join us on our podcasts. Greg Zodge One. Little known fact, Greg Zodge One was actually a clone of Greg Zodge Zero, who unfortunately was lost in a boating accident. And Denise58K, who is a prolific writer in the Bitcoin space. Thank you, everybody, for your support. It's hard to get engagement when you're just trying to be honest. We really appreciate it. Hello, Elsie, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Even though words can be deceiving Our voice is undeniably pleasing And this podcast that is streaming to your brain Just like cocaine Come and hear why Bitcoin fixes this on Bitcoin Twitter, you walked alone Wasted hours staring at your phone A net positive is no defense Miami shitcoin conference I'll see it We are savants, the cool bluffs listen to, the blue collar bloodcast. On the podcast website I saw, 
200 downloads, maybe more. People searching for real signal. Joe's out there, but at least we'll make you giggle. Now see meditating in the shower about the show. Picture it free to Listen or don't go fuck yourselves. Be advised, we are not certified fiat system financial experts. Our financial opinions are our own and should not in any way be construed to be financial advice. Do your own research. Also, while we believe in free speech, we do recognize that we do not live in a free speech society. Therefore, for all intents and purposes, please consider our views to be fictional satire with the sole intention of facilitating broad discussion that is necessary to generate new understandings in the hopes of uniting people under common rule sets rather than the current trend of dividing people by utilizing different rule sets for different people. Listener discretion is advised.